Are you attending Shop Talk? If you are, I hope that you're ready for the AI-driven future of commerce. If not, you can get ready by joining us and our friends from IM Digital, a leading retail experience agency, to learn about the future of commerce. You can join their March 18th event taking place at Shop Talk exclusively with your invite from Future Commerce. Find out more today at events.imdigital.com. Today on Visions. There is some weird shame in being completely transparent about it. The reason that I feel like it might be difficult for brands, especially from a marketing or growth perspective, is it's kind of a vulnerable position to put yourself in. You invite criticism. You might hold yourself to a standard for the future you didn't mean to set. Definitely there is a rise of insincerity. I think, for me, teasing out whether it's for, for the force of good or bad is, is the intent. If the intent is to do good, then it's more likely to come across as intentional irony or satire. Welcome to Visions. Visions is an annual audiovisual trends report that covers the changes in culture and commerce. This series is meant to be a companion guide to our 100-page report. Download and follow along at visions.report. Episode 9, The Celebration of Insincerity. Hi, I'm Philip. In his book, A Supposedly Funny Thing I'll Never Do Again, David Foster Wallace observes the following. So what does irony as a cultural norm mean to say? That it's impossible to mean what you say? Today's irony ends up saying, how totally banal of you to ask what I really mean. Internet culture has promulgated the idea that spectators lose and participators win. The result? A devolving public conversation around nuanced topics that have meaningful impact in our lives. This deepens the trench of algorithmic timelines and artificial intelligences that index for engagement over enlightenment. Meme culture, hype culture, reply guys, and online hero worship are all symptoms of a broader problem. You've heard of the postmodern society. I suggest that we are now in a post-sincere society. We originally were all thinking about calling it the death of sincerity, but actually the celebration of insincerity gives it a little bit even more punch. It implies not just that sincerity is something that is gone, but really that insincerity can be a tool. We've seen a lot of brand engagement in the world, both political or environmental or whatever. Do you think that brands should be commenting on social issues? Yes. Yes. There's nuance and shades of gray within everything. Brand and omni-channel strategist Grace Clark. I think brands need a point of view. And the question to me is more how it gets communicated and where it gets communicated. But I think if a brand is participating in capitalist society, which by virtue of being in America, it is, Mm -hmm. it should be transparent enough to have a point of view. And it should be able to hear questions from 
both inside the company and outside in the form of customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and think about it another way. As a functioning member of the society, a corporate social entity, they they are being regulated, brands, you know. Author and retail analyst Maya Knights. They're having to abide by all the laws that we are, we have to as individuals. And they have the power to influence and, and have an opinion. And I think more I think the reason that brands and retailers do it want to comment on social issues is because they feel that in some ways they're they're representing their customers and so if they can speak authentically to the way their customers are thinking about an issue that reinforces their 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 brand purpose i think in that sense so customer bases are complex and there are a lot of issues to talk about should brands be commenting on every single social issue one issue maybe represents one part of their customer base, or maybe like one issue represents one part of their customer base on a specific issue, but that same customer base might have a different view on a different issue. Um, and so if you know brands are built to serve their customers and sort of in this capitalist society, like serve their customers well, um, are there things that, you know, where it's like so controversial that they shouldn't be commenting? Um, and then of course, where does that leave us with the way that we're communicating? <laughs> I think brands have, they have a role to play. They have to have an opinion, but they have to do it from a position of, um, is this, am I, what is what I'm saying going to be a force for good? So a really good example would be, I think, um, and it's not just um, social issues, it's increasingly socio-political issues. And this is why I talk about brands being corporate social entities. They can't deny that they have that active role to play in our society. And I think about Disney coming out against the don't say gay um, uh, legislation. You know, I don't think anybody that thinks, you know, force for good and equality and diversity inclusion would think them saying that would be wrong, yet they've been sanctioned by the Florida government for, you know, their tax breaks have been taken away. But I think people... Generally, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe reaching and, and, and guessing here, but I get the impression that people would rather give Disney kudos for having done that, for having put their head, head above the parapet. Um, they didn't have to, but they actually made a, a, a really strong statement, which kind of supported that 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 role of them being a force for good in that sense. So I think um, I think it's absolutely important that they speak up, but that they do, that they do so when it's not when they are on the righteous side of things, if you see what I mean. It can, being socio-political issues, it can get really muddy. Disney did hit some bumps in the road with the market response with that very specific issue. And it wasn't just a political thing. I think, you know, if you look at America and diversity of thought in America, actually the market kind of penalized Disney after that move. Um, And so... In some ways, like I, I like, I think that was a really good one to pick yeah. because it actually is one that I think there was a very mixed response to. I think brands have an opportunity to comment on anything that mm-hmm. they would like. Just mm-hmm. like you said, it's a complex set of decisions. I don't think it is one right or wrong, and I don't think every issue makes sense. And I don't think what you're asking is which issues should they be commenting on, but right. rather – what is the totality and the impact of their experience? Right. And I think depending on what type of company you are, and we can 
imagine what the conversations were like inside of Disney, I would think it is a collaborative decision about the cost and benefit. And that's really what it comes down to, I think, unfortunately, but also realistically, because if we think about the board, Mm -hmm. most boards, in my experience, tend to not mind bad news. They just don't want it to be a surprise. Or they don't mind certain decisions as long as they know and have have a chance to weigh in. So the Disney conversation seemed to move very quickly, but we can imagine it was a complex conversation. And the decision about where to share that information Mm -hmm. and how to share it is really interesting because it's easy to think of having a voice on a social issue and taking a stance, meaning an infographics that an infographic that's shared on Instagram. And that's not ultimately the only expression mm-hmm. of a way to take a stance on an issue. It can right. be in the form of employee policy. Mm-hmm. It can be in the form of who you work with um, in terms of artists and collaborators. Mm-hmm. But it can also be a decision to manufacture in a certain country or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most powerful statements are the ones that are the most simple and the most tangible. So Disney is such a perfect example of something that felt real and that everybody in the company and customers of the company could experience right away. Mm -hmm. To your point about how they should communicate, Mm -hmm. yes, there's social media, absolutely. But to your point, Grace, it's it's put your money where your mouth is. You know, if if you're going to pull out of Ukraine... You know, that's a social commentary in and of itself. So it's it's the actions as well as the the words. There are complex issues that are multi-layered in terms of people's viewpoints on them, and they might not be as clear-cut as, like, even, like, just, you know, yes or no or, you know, one or two or whatever, like, whatever it is. Um, And as a result... It feels like, and Lee, this is something that we've picked up on and we've, you know, identified in our survey, a lot of people are now, like, no matter what the issue is, there's a certain level of people that have to sort of be performative in the way that they go about communicating these and falling in line with the company line, right? Um, whatever whatever it may be, um, there's sort of this idea that, um, employees and customers and even the brands communicating, like they may may or may not actually believe what they're actually doing mm-hmm. or can they even believe so what they're doing? I Just to tease a bit more so I can totally, I try, really get what you're trying to say here because the phrase controversy for controversy's sake goes to the heart of what you're saying about the rise of insincerity or the celebration of insincerity, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Because you can get brands that will throw shade on other brands just for the sake of it because they'll get a few thousand retweets Mm -hmm. and likes. But, you know, do they stand by that? Does that actually mean anything in terms of reflecting back Mm -hmm. on the brand? I think that's the measure, isn't it, in terms of saying something for its own sake? It's really interesting, yeah. And, like, I think this can be applied to things as simple. And I think social conversation counts as much as anything, I, I actually really agree with what you're saying right now. Um, the, uh, but also as, as serious as like what happened in Ukraine. And once one thing that was like kind of incredible, uh, I've never seen anything this in my lifetime. And, and I'd love it if you came up with some other examples of this was when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, Ukraine, uh, there was a group within Ukraine that put up a, a, uh, a webpage that was like buy into our NFT you get an NFT and then you're supporting like mm. war efforts. Uh, and and then there was like the rug pull. No one got an NFT yeah. 
And everyone was kind of like, oh, all right. Like there was like sort of this element of like, yeah, that was like wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. But also like we still supported the cause and like who cares. So there's this weird like moment, these moments now we're seeing pop up. And that's not, that's a very like, like tangible example um, of, of like moments of rug pulling or like, I wouldn't even call that. I'm not even going to say that was necessarily insincere to begin with to, to provide that NFT. Um, But we're saying, okay, yeah, we can accomplish things through this. Like it doesn't even really matter whether they're, whether we're serious or not serious about providing that NFT, they brought attention to this and we just saw this like with Goop uh, recently. Um, what do you see in culture right now? Is Do you see other examples of of this? Or are you now like the only way to accomplish something is through, like sincerity is still, it still has legs. <laughs> this brings up the topic of satire. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite political satirical writers is Andy Borowitz, who mm-hmm. was at The New Yorker for a while. And it reminds me of early days reading The Onion. I learned so much through satirical coverage in conversation around certain topics because I started, first of all, to cultivate a sense of humor, my understanding of how conversations can advance, but also that by virtue of understanding the opposite of something, I started to really understand what the problem was or what the conversation was. There's definitely a fine line between insincerity, malicious, intentional insincerity, and then satire, because satire isn't insincere. It's actually extremely earnest in its Mm. attempt to prove a point. So there are different intentions there. Mm -hmm. But I think when we bring up examples like Balenciaga's sneaker or Goop's diaper, those are very self-aware almost meta, Mm self-referential ways to be part of a conversation. And I think there's so much sincerity in that at the same time that they're not sincere about the product. So being able to say that it's both at once is actually, to me, totally comfortable. And I feel like that's fine. I love that. Um, Like progress through, like, through like this sort of like, like laissez-faire, like almost, it's not even laissez-faire, but like, yeah, satirical Mm -hmm. look at things. Totally. And we've had conversations even just over the course of the last day about what that can look like in terms of like retail experiences. I'm really interested in what that means when you have a retailer say something on an ad campaign, like walk out of the store without paying. What they're really saying is it's automated checkout, and I don't know what the, right. pre- the specific term for it is, but there are all sorts of ways to infuse what feels like well-intentioned, totally benign insincerity, as long as it is insincerity connected Sorry, yeah. to humor. And um, there can be a general assumption that people know that it's not real. But then we have companies like Mischief mm-hmm. who are making – Nike sneakers, and in the Nike air pocket, there is what they keep saying is blood or holy water. water, So, right. And that I haven't really teased out quite how I feel about it, Mm -hmm. except to say that it is really easy to consume because it feels like sometimes marketing can be a race to the extremes Mm -hmm. in order to be quick to consume 
doesn't really require a lot of cognitive thought and there's no dissonance in there. It's just junk food. It's mm-hmm. like news outlets covering the Kardashians because they're chasing views or right. Burger King, like you mentioned, tweeting at another fast food company just to throw shade because it gets engagement. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's all wholly positive. Not that I feel like that's the point of this conversation, but no, it's all over the place. That, no, I think it's progress through through like this satirical approach, progress through satire. Mm-hmm. Like that's almost sort of like and progress can be like good healthy progress or it can be just like going after your competitor type progress right um i i think it's really interesting and and you know this gets into a whole like meme culture and so on it's no it's no surprise to me like based on this trend that the richest man in the world was is basically our meme lord <laughs> like that to me like that just says everything <laughs> I kind of spent a small amount of my time looking at marketing across the entire sort of ecosystem of what a retailer needs to to function and to operate. But when I was listening to you two talk, I was thinking, are we really just talking about hype? Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. Don't believe the hype, believe the hype. Mm. And brands are great at hyping themselves mm. up. And yeah. it's whether or not, I think the, the discussion that we're having here is whether or not it comes from a place of sincerity right. that is, or insincerity for good, mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, uh, form over substance over form, as it were. Yeah. So, form uh, form over function. So, yes, in that yes, sense, yes. you know, you, you're promising things you can't deliver on. Yeah. You're, you're over hyping yourself. Right. That's when it becomes damaging, as well as right. being malicious. There is a level of insincerity in that. Like, we do live in hype culture. In fact, it's no wonder that our greatest community, like where the most hype was until like two weeks ago, was Web3. Because that's like meme central. It's gathering all of the hype people all in one place (laughs) and saying, well, we're just build, uh, we're going to build something around, around the hype of a specific technology. Right? And like, I think you're dead on. I think... Overhype is a form of insincerity. Again, celebration of it. There's also, I think, another form of insincerity that we sort of started down the road of, and it's maybe less of a celebration, but more of a resignation, and that's performative actions. Um, I think there's a lot of performative actions that happen. Um, we we talked about the Hawthorne effect um, in the report. The, the Hawthorne effect being like your behavior change when you feel like someone is watching you or 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 actually is watching you. Um, and so uh, insincerity like happens. I, I actually believe this. I personally believe this to be true. I think there's a lot of actions that are taken in the world right now simply because people feel like others are watching them. To your point about memes, I... I actually think be interesting to think the context in which you're using the emergence of memes may run contrary to the way I think about it. What I think people draw from memes is the commonality. So for a good good example would be the um, uh, Biden's inauguration. And Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. sitting there in his yeah, mittens yeah, yeah, with, yeah. His, with his, reg- his trench coat on. And just the number of people that cropped that mm-hmm. image out and turned him into a meme. Right. It gave kind of a sense of community. We all saw the same thing. We all thought it was super cute. We all decided yeah. we could apply this image to our... Do you see what I mean? In yeah. that sense, there is 
um, an element of, I think the people, the reason that people like memes is it's kind of natural hype. It's, mm. it, it, it's, mm. it becomes its own self-generating thing. Yes. I think you then maybe cross the line when you're maybe trying to manufacture something, you know, right. artificial in that sense. There's something really positive about that exact experience that you mentioned, and it's the woman who knitted those mittens then yeah. developed a ton of business around yeah. that. And that's, I think, a positive rallying around that shared experience yeah. that you mentioned. And you reminded me of, I'm just going to bring up social media since we're talking about it, although I think the behavior we're talking about can extend all sorts of other ways across the marketing mix. On Instagram, there's an account, and I believe it's still run anonymously, but it's at Affirmations, and it is all about insincerity mm-hmm. and community. So mm-hmm. the affirmations, it's all graphic design, and each post features an affirmation written in that style of an affirmation, but it is completely insincere. So examples right. of things are, I love my job, and it's against a bright, beautiful yes. pink background, and the idea is totally. sort of a tongue-in-cheek play on becoming a worker mm-hmm. in a capitalist society that if you are a part of the wellness culture and you repeat these affirmations mm-hmm. enough, you'll believe it. There are other things that are like, I love Mondays. <laughs> and the the reason I brought that up is because it connects to this, but it also extends into that shared experience because in the mm-hmm. comments section of some of these particular posts, people have started to meet up with each other in person. Well, they'll say, I really want to have a walking group, of, a group of girlfriends to go on walks with, and I just moved to Boston. Mm-hmm. So there are elements of that a meme bringing people together and then something genuine in the world that is sincere and beneficial Mm. can come out of it. I think if it stems out of genuine, something genuine, something organic, um, because when you talk about Bernie's mittens, Mm. you could say that that's an example of organic celebrity influencing and it doesn't have that same sort of feeling of Mm -hmm. insincerity Mm -hmm. that most celebrity influence and marketing does. I think that's why it kind of blew up. People loved it because it felt good. In January of 2022, in a now-deleted tweet, Pabst Blue Ribbon's social media manager crafted a curt response to the dry January sobriety movement. Their proclamation? Not drinking this January. Try eating ass. While there is a sweet nostalgia for wholesome internet sensations like Bernie Sanders' mittens, on the other hand, internet and meme culture has given a rise to a slightly serious desire to see the world burn. And why? Because what we have isn't good enough? Or because we're all faking it until we make it? In our Visions 2022 consumer research, we found that polarization of consumer culture is very real, and that perception is reality. The idea of faking it reveals a schism. 51% of respondents subscribe to the idea that you must fake it, while 49% agree to the idea that you must be authentic at all times until you make it. Exactly who admits to faking it online? Well, affluent Z-lennials. That is, Gen Z and millennial cuspers. They tend to earn six figures, they're under the age of 35, They are three times more likely to feel pressure in maintaining an online social persona, and they are five times more likely to post an inauthentic version of their life or lifestyle online. And in the end, 
it is the chronically online social persona maintainer that devolves the public discourse into cheap shot insult comedy. Maybe the gladiator arena of the current environment causes us to cheer on the blood sport and forget the humanity of the people at its center. I also think there's an element of this. Let's burn the world down because it needs to be. <laughs> the last scene of Fight Club. <laughs> right. Kind of. Exactly. Those positive posters didn't make anyone actually go get it anymore. I mean, unless your name's Ted Lasso, maybe. I think the idea is, oh, yeah, that's like something that's so dumb. It never helped anyone. Let's make fun of it, even though it's this really positive thing. And so progress through burning it down, which also, again, back to Elon Musk, I feel like that's kind of his whole vibe. Let's go build things by burning down the existing things that are not as good as they say they are. Yeah, I just think you you take a risk when you burn things down completely. I would prefer mm-hmm. oh, yeah. a more sort of let's dismantle things piece by piece in a methodical right. way, yes. maybe number them so we know that we can where to put them back oh, if we need down. them again. No, 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 I totally agree with you. I am not a, I'm by no means saying that I necessarily, like this is my mode of operation. If you've ever seen my Twitter feed, it is nothing like this. Um, but I just think that, that we're seeing a trend in this culture. And I mean, you can even look back to the last presidential administration. I think that there's just an element of of elevation of like of like it's everyone knows that it's kind of BS, mm. but they're all on board. Mm. I mean, and, and obviously that's one particular group. But even within each group, and it doesn't have to be political; it can be whatever it is. We're happy to jump on board with something we don't necessarily think is true, if we. Th- if we like what it represents. <laughs> I think that requires everyone agreeing to keep a certain part of the conversation in back. It's almost like the idea of not airing your dirty laundry. So mm-hmm. there is one company that sells products and they're meant to be part of slow living and being more intentional about what you buy. And their marketing quite literally uses the phrase capitalist society. We want to counter that. Mm-hmm. And That is totally fine, but it is also true that they're selling more of a commodified good Mm -hmm. that is branded beautifully. Mm -hmm. But they, for for reasons we I think we probably should debate, it'd be so fun. Mm -hmm. They can't say this is totally contradictory, and consumers can't say, "I realize I am making an ironic choice," or they can't say. It's so unfortunate that I keep shopping from, for example, Amazon if I feel dissonance about it. Mm -hmm. There's some weird shame in being completely transparent about it. And then the the reason that I feel like it might be difficult for brands, especially from a marketing or growth perspective, Mm -hmm. is it's kind of a vulnerable position to put yourself in. You invite criticism. You might hold yourself to a standard for the future you didn't mean to set Mm -hmm. and talk about undermining credibility with investors you are almost a liability in that you are saying something that first for some reason has never been really what's allowed to be said Mm -hmm. but it is really truly the biggest elephant so what we're saying is it's good to be honest but not but not too honest exactly at least that's what i think is happening right now in our culture is like 
if if everyone's claiming to have like there's a lot of claiming to have to be sincere but there's also like this real like like there's a bit of an edge to it. It's like everyone kind of knows that they're not being as sincere as they say that they are. <laughs> but what would happen if a company did? Let's say I'm taking Glossier, not because I think they are or aren't, but just because they are so beloved. Yeah. Let's say that they aired out as much dirty laundry as they had if they had any. Mm-hmm. We could make a long list of what could happen in terms of people abandoning the product, people switching. All It could really undermine the business's health. Mm-hmm. So do we need some moment of reckoning where all brands are in this imaginary world forced to say everything they were, they're afraid to say that their comms people ask them to take out of messaging. So we reset it. That'd be so terrifying. I would not want to be in charge of that effort, but I do wonder just what would that look like? Is it important that brands are transparent or is is some element of insincerity actually protective for the business to grow in the long term? Right. I personally think that the rise of insincerity has led to the rise of people believing that there's fake news. Yes, of course, there's propaganda. That's called propaganda, not fake news. And so, yeah, I think then it's a really interesting point you make. It's a scenario you paint. We're living in a utopian world to to let to think it actually would ever happen. But but I think it would be nice if we had more Disneys in the world. We had more... um, honesty in terms of just in terms of airing their dirty linen I think actually our politicians have some responsibility here in terms of the the laws that they draft to regulate data privacy or sustainability you know you're kind of holding the corporations this even right down to the small businesses to account um where you as a citizen or a consumer can actually go and look at public record right. and make your own mind up. Right. Um, I know that we're all lazy and we don't do that. So, um, you know, it would be nice if, for example, from a, a COP26 perspective, you know, you, the, C, the CEO of a company would be quite happy to talk about the fact that they didn't hit their green the sustainability targets this right. year. Right. I think there's an element I've drawn out of that that we have to be willing to talk about just as much about our mistakes as about our successes. Right. I do believe it's particularly, as you can probably tell by the accent, American thing is the hype man. It's everything's got to be awesome all the time. Yes. And that kind of leads to that level of insincerity, I think. That is the crux of it. There's an element of never back down. Mm. Like that's actually a virtue. This idea of using satire, sometimes it's the easiest way to say things that you don't have the ability to say in a sincere way. And especially when um, we call for transparency in businesses and yet we expect them to perform at every level. And bad news is going to have massive implications. A business that I love and everyone that's ever listened. Yes. (laughs) If there's any business left in this world that's sincere, it's Costco. (laughs) Like, 
<laughs> I don't know one way or the other. I don't either. I'm skeptical. I mean, they've had their lumps and I, I think, you know, they've not been perfect. But as far as like actual sincere progress towards the goal, they are the closest like mm-hmm. like mass market business that I can think of. Um, Costco and then maybe Patagonia. (laughs) There's more fun stuff we can get into. We've got really serious here. I think there's also like an element of this where um, we see brands acting differently in different channels as well. So actually there's traditional comms where everything that's said there is as sincere as possible. (laughs) But again, you heard the slight sarcasm in my voice there because everyone knows it's kind of garbage. Um, Whereas... You've got, you know, your, your, you know, TikTok channel where um, you've got the uh, Duolingo owl having the, uh, what's, what's the sponge? Uh, Like, oh shoot, I forget the scrub sponge babies. And that was like, that wasn't ever going to come through another channel. (laughs) Like, and so perhaps like, I think there's also an element of this where it's like, we have channels now where we're allowed to be insincere and channels where we're not allowed to be insincere. I think it's levels of formality in that mm-hmm. sense because mm-hmm. um, you've got to be audience aware, haven't mm-hmm. you? Yes. Um, and I'm not going to put the same post on LinkedIn as I would on t- TikTok because I'm talking to a professional audience versus maybe exactly. predominantly Gen Z, Gen Alpha, mm-hmm. um, alpha audience. But it, thinking back to what we've been talking about trying to encapsulate it i don't know is it worth saying that every time you say something good about yourself you've got to admit a fault <laughs> as well you force people to to be balanced um and then maybe we wouldn't get so hung up on i think the thing is though i take it back we as human beings we we're programmed to remember the negative mm-hmm. because that's our survival instinct right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. corporates have kind of gone the polar opposite way because they know that we're going to remember the bad things that they say yes. and not the good things. So maybe that's, again, another reason um, that that insincerity is, is finding more and more um, uh, uh, traction. Yeah. I think there are some channels that are definitely more insincere than others. But I think to, to your point, it's the insincerity getting confused with satire. I think you need to be quite clever in the way that you're mm-hmm. communicating in order to get the nuance of irony and satire across because it is a new, really, really nuanced thing. You can talk to somebody who doesn't get new, um, doesn't get irony or satire and you can yeah. totally offend them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to be really, really sensitive to the audience that, that, that comes to the channel and be able to sort of uh, react to that. We'll be right back after a word from our partners. This podcast is brought to you by Shopware. Shopware is an e-commerce hub that allows you to offer relevant, compelling experiences for your consumers and your back office team. The open source core and the open commerce approach allows brands to build however they want. Turnkey, headless, PWA, or any combination thereof, thanks to the all sales channels welcome approach. Shopware creates the most engaging experiences imaginable from B2B and B2C to multi-store and guided shopping. And Shopware features a worldwide ecosystem of developers, agencies, and technology partners. Find out more at shopware.com slash FC. That's shopware.com slash FC. The whole danger in that is you're putting out stuff on the internet. So, I mean, and we can talk for a minute 
about whether or not if a brand completely removed itself from social media. A UK brand, Lush, has done that as well. And I think Bottega Veneta did it for a little while as well. When you put something out on the on, into the world now, there's the possibility for cross-channel conflicts. And it seems that brands just have decided that doesn't matter. <laughs> the different customer bases are so locked into their own channels, like Gen Z versus Boomer or whatever, whatever the psychographic is actually probably not even generational, but that it doesn't even matter if you put out something that would be completely offensive to one group, as long as it's in the right channel, then no one even cares. I think it comes down to honestly resourcing and manpower in some of these companies because yes. social demands so much activity mm-hmm. for performance. Getting on the For You page of TikTok right now, the way the algorithm works, mm-hmm. is absolutely a volume play. It is more is more. It is also understanding your niche, but it is putting enough out there, at least in that first wave of your brand's presence on that platform. Mm-hmm to understand what's resonating and to have an, a good enough chance that a few videos will take off that you get some signals about where you are going to find a niche if you are going to find a niche. So imagine that your boss is telling you, the social manager, the marketing team, build out a plan and run all these channels. At the same time that these platforms are demanding more and more and more, not just more content, but different types of content. So TikTok is video. Sure, you can put some videos together that involve screen grabs. But for the most part, it's a completely different way of creating. And I find that companies of all sizes, this is completely stage agnostic, view marketing, specifically social, as extremely efficient and easy to do. And that it can be done with limited budget and even fewer people. Mm -hmm. So I think brands don't really have the resourcing to be able to always do this well. And well Mm -hmm. doesn't mean hitting certain metrics or or being hitting any sort of benchmark. It just means to actually do it in a way that works for whatever that brand is. So when we think about segmenting and how impossible that can be across traditional channels, social is just mind-blowing. What most brands are doing right now is creating what they feel like might apply to the biggest range of their customer Mm -hmm. and then sharing those assets across channels. If you're Disney, it is so different. That is a completely different world. And I imagine Costco too. But when we think about why Bottega got off Instagram for a bit, I don't think that came down to resourcing. I think that was a decision about signaling a virtue or a value. And then honestly getting great attention. Mm -hmm. I remember speaking with Business of Fashion at the time and I said – if you think all brands can do that, like you are living on Mars. Mm-hmm. It is such a, a, a an extremely important part of generating demand and yes. communicating with your customers, but you're still reliant on this platform. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Did Lush end up getting back on? No, Instagram? they're still off Instagram. They're still off um, all social media. It was a, from top down. The CEO was quite happy to talk about it to the press, and mm-hmm. he just said, "This is a distraction, and it's just." Um, diluting our brand so this was the point that I was going to make I don't know I'm not enough of an expert but what I do know to be the truth is that you always have to be so clear about what your brand is and in order to do that you have to be really really clear who your best customer is Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about you know the fly-by-nighters the 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 60 percent or the fourth or the 80 percent I'm talking about the 20 percent that drive 60 percent of your sales um and I, if I, if I was given the chance to be um, CEO of a retailer, I would say, listen, we we have to be on message 
across every channel doesn't mean we have to say it the same way. This episode is brought to you by Klaivu. Klaivu captures e-commerce shoppers' intent and then leverages AI to create personalized search and discovery experiences that allow your brand to go beyond keywords typed into the search box. Klaivu's end-to-end search and discovery solution is easy to configure, optimize, and maintain for all major shopping platforms in just hours. Klaivu's proprietary technology is driving traffic and conversion and loyalty for over 3,000 leading global brands. Check them out today at Klaivu, that's K-L-E-V-U dot com. Visions is brought to you by Yakpo, an e-commerce marketing platform that helps online businesses win customers for life with interconnected solutions for reviews, SMS marketing, loyalty programs, and more. With Yachtpo, brands like Steve Madden, Brooke Lennon, Quip, and Love Wellness are able to create innovative experiences that boost customer loyalty and repeat purchases. Join Yachtpo in keeping commerce on the cutting edge by downloading the Visions Report today. Visit yachtpo.com visions. That's Y-O-T-P-O dot visions. I develop a campaign and then I work out what nuance I need to communicate the messages behind that campaign via each social media channel. But kind of what I'm seeing at the moment, to your point, Grace, about the amount of resource needed, it's a bit like the wild, wild west where you you get different messages being disseminated through different channels. Mm -hmm. You get um, more cheeky advertising and marketing that you don't see elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It's I would like to see a bit more consistency mm-hmm. in that sense. Even mm-hmm. if even if you're going to be cheeky about it, you're still trying to sell me the same thing or communicate the same mm-hmm. message or make the same point, whether it's LinkedIn or, or TikTok or, or Facebook. Mm-hmm. I think there's the consistency to me has to be. Has well, to be. like let's hold that, which I completely agree with, against the stat that the average TikTok user spends 52 minutes a day on that app. <sighs> and... That is true of every single one of their daily active users on average. So to be able to think about a brand having success there, it really would stress me out for the companies who are thinking, how can we do this well? And lush feeling it's a distraction to me is how I would feel if I were running a company myself. If it's really unlikely that that CEOs of these companies trying to like really establish themselves on TikTok have the chance even to sit down and think, I should rally the team that's responsible mm. for running this channel and let's have a conversation or even a whiteboarding session where we put together a style guide for who we are as we evolve exactly. because brands bring new customers into the mix mm. and without a moment, even if it's just an addendum to a quarterly OKR review, it was very easy to lose sight of who you are as a brand. And that's really important in teaching customers how to talk about you. Yeah. Not just because consistency is important for consistency's sake, but if companies are missing the chance to reroute themselves and their brand and ask questions like, we seem to be producing this type of content. Is this right for us right now? Mm. Tack that on to a quarterly review. There's no reason why it should be lost. Mm. And retailers are really good at following the customer. And for um, 
it just annoys me. I mean, we could we could talk about this in regards to who has a, a, a transactional website versus who doesn't, you know. Mm. Like, oh, you can afford not to have a transactional website? <laughs> Sorry, but I think, you know, you'll find most of your customers want you to have a transactional website. So mm. we, we can see why Lush made the decision or Bottega or whoever. Right. But at the same time, I would say that's just lazy. If you, that's where your customers are, you have to figure out how to get to your customers that way in a meaningful way that tr- truly resonates, that adds to your bottom line, that delivers on the ROI. And it sounds to me like, to your point about the, the, the lush CEO, we're thinking, you know, the conversations in, that were happening. Um, it, it's a cop out to say, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. You've got to be in it to win it in that sense. Mm. Um, and if you can't figure it out and if you're over-resourcing it, then there's something wrong. Go back, fix it, work, try, try, try again mm. in that sense. So to your point, it's, you know, making sure it's part of the review, part of measuring how you're doing as a business is how well you're communicating across all these channels. Because if it's a transactional channel, retailers are less likely to argue when there's slightly harder to prove ROI when it comes to marketing mm-hmm. that, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm out. I don't, I, I don't get we that. We love that, this because I feel attitude. the other way. So breaking it down, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's actually a net benefit for a company to say, I'm not going to, I'm going to get off Instagram. Either it's a distraction that could be wonderful phrasing or a way to position it mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. But just because that platform exists as a way to communicate, does it mean that a brand is obligated to figure it out? And maybe yes, because maybe they have a responsibility. The expectation of the customer is, well, that's where I hear from you. So how do I know about new products, Mm -hmm. for example? So there is a sense that a brand has a presence there. It's almost funny to think about not having it because to me, it's it's where I go to look up brands before I Google them often. Do companies have the choice even to say, I'm not going to participate? I know in the report we talk about the balance of power between the consumer and the brand. Before technology democratised the transactional experience, Mm -hmm. um, all the power was with the brand. I'll build it, you'll come, you know. You're going to bust down my door and queue for hours for the full Black Friday, that kind of thing. And now I think consumers are voting with their dollar and they're voting with their feet. And so in terms of following that customer, the the dynamics changed, flipped, where I feel the consumer is more in, in control. So if the uh, any CEO that jumps off of social media could say to me, well, we looked at our traffic, we looked at our ROI, and we found that we were getting a lot more return and engagement from LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook than we were from Insta. You might still think, oh, no, really, I'm an Insta baby. But at least they've been able to justify it because money talks and if they can say to us we are more successful on these channels because this is where our audience is because these are where our customers engage back to this whole conversation that's sincere yeah saying it's a distraction we don't enjoy it that has the scent of insincerity there's something going on right if you are in the business (laughs) or if you're a marketer it's your job to figure out what that means in numbers so that you can understand and to make it work and if you can't make it work then there's got to be a concrete reason why and that's probably because that's not where your customers are or exactly you've not got the right people writing the right content right. there's stuff that can be fixed in that sense mm-hmm. and then there's maybe in terms of following the money that's possibly the only reason i think to, 
But even so, you're still going to be denying some of your customer base when you come away from a social media channel. So it's a really brave or stupid equally every time i've suggested getting off social media for for a short period of time or for a campaign to a client it was shot down immediately and i can understand why but i've suggested things to clients like take the social team give them the month off of instagram and let's all work on a totally different project whether it's building out a big initiative or launching tiktok and let's be open about it and let's talk about it let's make it part of the business story Mm -hmm. it's just such the wrong decision for the business Mm -hmm. even if they haven't turned on paid and instagram and meta is not part of the demand generation for that for that particular brand it's still just such an, an easy way for the not easy meaning it's not easy to create assets, but it is such an obvious way for a brand to express itself. Mm. So taking that out, I really think you have to be a brand that's so luxury, mm-hmm. like Bottega, to say, mm-hmm. we're going to get off Instagram for an undisclosed period of time. And what we're going to give you that you don't already know about is a an unbelievable digital magazine that is completely touch and feel as much as you can be. You got to mouse over the different articles of clothing. And if it was a bag with a metal chain, you could hear the sound that that chain would make as you walked down the street with the bag on your shoulder. So it was beautiful. But think about resourcing. I mean, they may not have even had to have that conversation. You both have talked a lot about like having a consistent message across channels. And this is something that I feel like um, brands have abandoned to some degree. I think you were both like, yes, they need to be more consistent. Like, but, but I'd like my, uh, my, and, and I don't even know if this is my question. It's not even like devil's, ad, devil's advocate or like, or an insincere question. This is a sincere question <laughs> is like, is it like, is it? messaging to different um psychographics like like maybe they want something completely different out of your brand than another psychographic would and so maybe consistent messaging isn't necessary anymore i'm just gonna bring it down to brass tacks which is (laughs) which which group is more lucrative Mm -hmm. Mm. and i'm gonna Mm focus my dollars there. I want something different from you. Then come spend more money with me. Let's think about Spotify. Yeah. Large consumer base. And until now, most people are paying them the same amount of money for product. Different age groups will pay them more. But Spotify premium is Spotify premium. And unless you're a college student with a discount or you go to university, you're pretty much paying $10 Mm -hmm. or whatever it Mm -hmm. is right now. Spotify on TikTok is very different than what it looks like as an out-of-home campaign that features Basquiat and talks about listening to the music that he listened to when he was painting in his studio. That's nowhere Mm. on their other channels. And that's totally Mm -hmm. fine. Yes, That means to me that they probably have a team that's resourced enough or agencies that are able to handle different things. But that consistency, like you said, Mm. that value and that message is there no matter what. You still feel that that same heart and soul of that company. Mm. Another way of maybe thinking about answering your question is um, 10 years ago, I talked about the idea of personalised pricing. Mm -hmm. And people were like, oh my God, that's Mm -hmm. horrific. We're never going to get to that point. And then you you had Amazon open its Mm four-star bookstore and you would scan the tag and with your Amazon app and you'd be given a different price from the person after Mm -hmm. you and the person before you. 
Fast forward to today, um, one of the biggest four grocers in the UK, Tesco, with its massive club card program, you can get personalised pricing. Mm -hmm. But the difference being they're saying, I'm only going to give this to my best customers. Mm -hmm. You have to be loyal to me Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So going back to your point about different groups are demanding different messaging from me or demanding different things from me, I'm only going to stretch myself for the best customers because that's where the money is. I think that's extremely sincere. I mean, by virtue of, let's say, Sephora's loyalty program, you accrue points by shopping more. Mm -hmm. Nobody's hiding that. Mm. And the same thing might be true of Tesco's card, that if you shop there, you get a reward for shopping there. That's, to me, a win-win in the most general sense. There is a lot of sincerity, but I do think that there, like, I think to kind of bring it back, I think, uh, especially recent generations, like millennials were very sincere in their, in their approach. And we were like, we were like, things need to be good. And we were putting, you know, you know and, and there were some dissidents and all of that. Like there was some dissonance for sure. Um, but as a general group, I feel like it was a lot of like, let's get back to good things. And then I feel like there's just been a little bit of calling out. This Next Generations is like, a lot of that's actually not so good. There's a brand called Faculty that's men's nail polish. Mm -hmm. They actually had seven approved logos. Different, like, brand identities for different channels. I think that there is opportunity to have multiple identities. But I Mm -hmm. do believe, as we look at insincerity... Perhaps it's one channel specific or just a few channels, like as we talked about. Um, And that can be just as much of the brand as the most sincere part of the channel Mm, uh, or of mm. the the brands. But Um, here's where it gets really complicated in the sense that you can say I have a consistent message Mm -hmm. and I'm going to tailor it for each channel. Mm -hmm. And then you hand it off to your TikTok manager who decides to take that message and (laughs) turn it into something completely insincere. It's the same in politics, the same in everything. We tend to say say we're doing one thing and then do another. We just talked about this in the last session. Mm-hmm. We buy from Amazon while decrying mm-hmm. Amazon as a not like a, a, an unsustainable company, mm-hmm. right? That I think is that's where we're at as a culture. It's inconsistent, yeah. and it's and there's an element of it where we're like, yeah, that's what we are. Definitely, there is a rise of insincerity. I think. For me, teasing out whether it's for, for the force of good or bad is is the intent. If the intent is to do good, then it's more likely to come across as irony or satire. It's intentional irony or satire. Um, if it's just being bloody-minded and, you know, saying something for something's sake and calling something out as fake news, then I think, yeah, there's definitely a sign of our times that we live in, that we have this tension, but um, I don't think it resonates as well with with, with the, the customers that you want to attract. The Visions Podcast is brought to you by Future Commerce. You can find more episodes of this podcast and all Future Commerce properties at futurecommerce.fm. Download our 100-page companion guide on cultural and consumer trends by visiting visions.report. That's visions.report.